very rarely is it wise to wait. Buy when you're ready. Buy when you have the finance, buy when you're ready to buy, buy when the personal situation suits you, buy when you find the right property. Property should always be looked at as a long-term investment. I don't know that I know too many people that have said, oh, I bought this property 20 years ago and wish I hadn't, or even 10 years ago and wish I hadn't. Historically- the market. I mean, there'd be a lot of more wealthy people in the world if we could all time the market. The experts can't time the market. And the too many things can happen. It's such a volatile thing to predict. It's almost like the Melbourne Cup. So waiting can cost you a lot of money. Yes, granted, it can make you money, but a lot of the time it costs people money. Prices change. People's you know, personal situation changes, their financial situation changes. Things that you can never account for can happen by waiting. It's not about when, it's about what. It's not doesn't matter when you buy. At the peak of COVID, you had to be very careful. Oh, I would have been careful then too but mostly it's about what if you buy the right property it will serve you well into the future so make sure that you've factored in some interest rate rises Mm -hmm. make sure and don't just rely on the banks they do their bit and they factor in whatever make sure you can afford it and you're ready property transactions can be among the most significant financial decisions of your life hence we're here to guide you debunk the myths and misconceptions that cloud the industry We want to help you move confidently through the real estate journey and give you a behind-the-curtain look into the world of real estate. We're Michelle Tucker and Linda Johnson from Spring Buyers Agency and Spring Property Management, and this is the Unreal Estate Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of our Unreal Estate podcast. It's yes, been fun. It has so far. Yeah. So we're totally out a, of our comfort zones, yeah. but nevertheless. We are very much out of our comfort zone, but we're doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, today we've got a couple of interesting things to talk about. Yeah. Probably the two most asked questions, um, no matter what the market's doing, where we are, um, work in the workplace out in the field kids birthday parties dinner parties wherever we are the same two questions always get asked and um obviously it's how's the market what's the state of the market market doing the market doing and the other most asked question is should we buy now or should we wait and it's probably important to note that we are talking about our market um there's lots of markets around the country and we're not talking about that. We're really talking about our expertise in our area, which is the Central Coast, Lake Macquarie and Newcastle region. Um, to speak outside of that, we'll leave that for the for the experts on the macro market. But yeah, there's a lot going on. And yeah, yeah and look, none of us have a crystal that. ball. So I guess we're speaking about the now and what we're seeing on the ground. Um, and, you know, we're not seeing any of the doom and gloom that is out there um there's still plenty of buoyancy and activity and um yeah happening here i guess the biggest um challenge that is affecting us and has for the last six to nine months or possibly even a little bit longer is the shortage of stock and what let's talk about why why that is i mean there's multiple reasons um with extenuating factors in the marketplace but a lot of this shortage of what we're hearing from the selling agents is why aren't they listing 
quite as much property as they might normally at this time of the year. And for the last, you know, as you said, six or nine months, your sellers are worried that if they do sell, there's no stock to buy. That's right. So what are they going to do? Yeah, they don't want to, there's this perception that they're going to be homeless or they're going to find themselves in a situation where their living arrangements aren't desirable. They're living with relatives or um, in a hotel room, which is not desirable. It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We're in that kind of vicious cycle and it's something that we've discussed or the conversations we talk about that we have in the car. One of them is what's the What's the pain point in the market at the moment? And that seems to be one of the biggest pain points and how can we assist? Because we do assist people in that process of selling and buying. So that's something that we're really concentrated on at the moment and how we can help move people forward. Yeah, so in saying that, um, even though there is a stock shortage, there seems to be far more buyer activity than what there has been Mm. in previous months. And as we're nearing the end of the year, um, there seems to be even more buyer activity. And also, even though we had another rate rise uh, on Tuesday, essentially people are getting used to the fact or getting more comfortable around there's not going to be another 11 consecutive interest rate rises. You would hope not. We're all in a bit of strife if that happens. That's right. So there's kind of a bit more confidence. Mm. Um, people that have kind of been sitting on the fence deciding whether or not to take the plunge are now starting to think, okay, well, if this is as bad as it's going to get, pretty much um, now we're comfortable to move forward. We're certainly not seeing any distressed sales um, that we're hearing about in other parts of the country. Um, You know, there's certainly people that are offloading to free up some cash, but other than that, we're not seeing forced sales. We've seen a couple that maybe are slightly under pressure. They're certainly not forced. They might be challenged with, you know, repayments, but they're not at any... Any, in any way, shape or form, forced or bank sales. And there's very few of those that we've even seen. Yeah. yeah. And also prices are still strong. Quality A-grade property is still attracting competition and therefore, and obviously the lack of stock is, you know, supporting prices. Well, we've been in multiple buyer situations yes. on numerous of the homes we've bought recently. Even down to best and finals because there are so many buyers still on the property. Best and final is worth discussing at some point because it's a really tricky way to buy a property. It's hard to navigate. You've really got to understand the value of the property in a best and final, but we can talk about that a bit later. But yeah, like the market's still strong. Yeah, certainly is. I guess the difference between now and, um, you know, when we're going through COVID times, Buyers are a little bit more picky now. Mm. So the, the frenzy isn't there like it was before. We're seeing the B graders sit on the market, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. B so. and C graders are toughing it out. They're, they're still there. Whereas in COVID, they were flying out the door. Yeah. And it's definitely more price sensitive in the fact that if a property is overpriced, the market is dictating that pretty quickly. Um, where, you know, during COVID times, you know, kind of everything went out the windows, you know, FOMO took over literally and people scrambling over each other to buy property, didn't care about price, didn't care about if there was something wrong with it. It was like la, la, la. And then now um, it's a little bit more considered and buyers are a little bit more fussy So the choice. For those buyers out there that may be in the marketplace or maybe considering engaging a buyer's agent, what's so we're now um, 9th of November. What are we going to see for those people wondering between now and Christmas in our market, we, we never, we're in a holiday area. So it's always a little bit hard to predict 
what's going to happen over that Christmas period. In days gone by, everyone would shut for weeks on end and you'd only get window shoppers that thought momentarily about buying a a weekender and just got a rush of blood at the beach and thought, oh, we'll buy a weekender and, you know, go to all the opens and waste time. But I don't know. It's one of those – it's hard to – predict now like with the seasons it may it's always a big question how's it going to come back in January always was and still is so but I think we're going to see a lot of activity would you agree up till the end of or up to about the third week of December I had an agent say to me yesterday a very active agent in the market that they're still scheduling um, auctions up to the 16th of December so I think we're going to see it right to the end yeah I, I think um you know, last year certainly wasn't the normal spring summer season. This year is a little bit better, but it's still not like normal time. Um, and look, it's very, it is governed by so many things this time of year. But a good indication of what's going to happen is, you know, as you're talking to many different agents, how many of them are saying, oh, no, we're taking a break? And how many of them are saying we're coming back early? So that's always a bit of an indicator for us as to kind of when the market's going to kick off again, because a lot of it is around when stock's going to be available and when agents are going to present stock to market. Um, So it's an interesting time. But certainly for that two-week period, Christmas and New Year, not a great deal happens. Um, Also conveyances, solicitors, banks, mortgage brokers. You know, everyone takes that sort of two-week period to to cease fire. Um, But around that time, you know, people will still be purchasing property and there'll be still transactions happening. Um, so with COVID, um, just to go on the what's happening in the market now, so obviously we saw some massive price increases to the tune of 30 40% in some cases a little bit more and we haven't seen that lost completely. We've seen it drop between 10 and 20, I'd say, across different suburbs in our region. Mm-hmm. But we're certainly well ahead of where we were um, pre-COVID so for those buyers asking, what do we think is going to happen? Um, where do we see prices going? Are they going to keep going up? That kind of stuff. Well, we can already see there's some suburbs, particularly the beach side suburbs. So the popular Terrigals, Womberals, Avokas, those areas in our market. Um, they've gone up, obviously, the 40 odd percent. They've come back 10-ish percent and then... In the last sort of month or so, we've seen another increase again, yep. three to five percent. Yep. So, um, given the buyer activity, there's still shortage of stock. There's a backlog of buyers that have been stagnant. That's not- a good point. They're sitting on the sidelines are. waiting, aren't they? They're ready and Absolutely. just waiting for the new listings. It's yep. like something comes online and they're pouncing on it. Yeah, I don't know. Everything feels and look. There's certainly indicators on the ground that show it's kind of like ready to fire again next year. But, you know, who knows? Anything can happen, um, you know, and a lot of it's driven by forces none of us can control or none of us can really predict. We can only go by what we're seeing and the indicators that we're seeing. But I think our market looks, you know, quite positive to, to move forward again. Um, well, lot, most of our clients and inquiry comes from Sydney, so that's a good topic. You know, we've both been in real estate here a long time and I was involved really heavily in the Gosford story and the transformation of Gosford when I was in developments of, you know, medium scale luxury apartments and saw that Gosford finally take off, you know, with some big players in and and pumping some money. So it's always been a commutable region, 
but it was a big decision to commute five days a week to Sydney. So we are definitely seeing the majority of buyers at the moment that we're working with coming out of Sydney, right? Because now they only have to commute two or three days and it makes it doable. I can't see that stopping. Well, it's always happened. It was just expedited by COVID and there's still an aftermath of that occurring. And as Sydney becomes more and more unaffordable, and the choice is you go west, south or north. Mm-hmm. So for many people, north is a better option, warmer weather, etc. Lifestyle, beaches. Lifestyle, all of that. But what do we even, even our investors that we work with say, I want to be on the coast because it's still connected to Sydney. Yeah. So whether you're an owner-occupier, a weekender, um, who don't want to be out, you know, two, more than two hours drive because they won't use it as much, whether you're an investor because you're looking for that capital growth, that connectivity to Sydney, you can still work in Sydney. It appeals to so many so I th- our market has always been quite resilient. Yeah, absolutely. There might be, you know, different pockets of it that might be affected, but overall we are. And we also, you know, we're between Newcastle, which is undergoing huge development, all the land releases further north. So we're very well connected. Yeah. So, yeah, in a short answer, it all looks very promising. In COVID, they were talking about people that went regional and perhaps regretting it because they still couldn't commute back to Sydney. And we we were talking about this very point to our investors at the time saying, be cautious about going too far. It's all great now, but when the office needs to be attended a couple of days a week, you still want to have that connectivity. Absolutely. So we were always really confident in our market and that we had that. So should I buy or should I wait? Actually, before we jump onto that, probably another point is what are we going to start to see this end of the year? Because a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, you yeah, know, how, we're not yeah. seeing as much on the portals. And it's not just about stock shortage. So again, it's all dependent on the agent and the agency and the vendor. But typically, um, a lot of the properties on the portals will start to slow down kind of that the second week of December, mm. um, agents are preparing. Doesn't mean to say there's not stock. Agents are preparing listings and um, you know getting contracts in place and they may not styling and they may not launch them until um, early in the new year. Mm-hmm. But they're still available. There's plenty of vendors out there that mm-hmm. may not necessarily need to go to market. So a lot of what we're doing in this latter part of the year is investigating opportunities where they're. Um, qualified sellers and they're definitely wanting to sell but they may be open to you know doing a deal before Christmas and New Year and not actually having to go to market so um, and they're the questions that we ask when we talk to the agents you know what have you got coming but what have you got that's not coming until January you've got to know what what to ask because they don't always have the time or the perception that that's what you want to know so we're really direct about that yeah and, you know, they may not be an opportunity. There might, again, it's back to that off-market situation or yeah. pre-market situation that, you know, there's a crazy price in Oh, well, if I get this price, I'll do it now. So not every opportunity is no. going to be a great one, but um, it's definitely an area to explore and we'll certainly be maximising our opportunities right up to the, you know, the 22nd. Um, and then, yeah, it depends, you know, it kind of trickle back early in the new year. But I guess the message is that, you know, even though you may not see it on the portals, um, there may still be opportunities, yeah. If I was a selling agent, I'd be trying to get those deals done, right? Mm -hmm. You know, as a selling agent, you always have that 
bit of a break over Christmas where you're not working. So then that roll-on effect is January, February can be a bit quiet, you know, in the pay packet. So if I was a selling agent, yeah, they're bonus sales if you can get some of those done that aren't online um, just through conversation or with a buyer's agent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is a great way to, to top that up moving into new, the new year. So, yes, so, back to the quest- second question. Second question. <laughs> well, I mean, that's easy for us to answer. Obviously, it's a personal decision for the person that's buying, but very rarely is it wise to wait. Buy when you're ready. Mm-hmm. Buy when you have the finance. Buy when you're ready to buy. Buy when the personal situation suits you. Buy when you find the right property. Property should always be looked at as a long-term investment. I don't know that I know too many people that have said, oh, I bought this property 20 years ago and wish I hadn't, or even 10 years ago and wish I hadn't. Historically... the market. It, I mean, there'd be a lot of more wealthy people in the world if we could all time the market. The experts can't time the market. And the too many things can happen. It's such a volatile thing to predict. It's almost like the Melbourne Cup. So waiting can cost you a lot of money. Yes, granted, it can make you money, but a lot of the time it costs people money Prices change, people's, you know, personal situation changes, their financial situation changes. You know, things that you can never account for can happen by waiting. It's not about when, it's about what. It's not, it doesn't matter when you buy. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the peak of COVID, you had to be very careful. I, I would have been careful then too, but mostly it's about what. If you buy a, the right property, it will serve you well into the future. So make sure that you've factored in some interest rate rises. Mm-hmm. Make sure, and don't just rely on the banks. They do their bit and they factor in whatever. Make sure you can afford it. Make sure that you're comfortable, that you can afford the repayments, that you can factor in a couple of rate rises, um, and you're ready. We do actually have clients at times that have come to us with a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And we love a spreadsheet, don't we? <laughs> Not. <No. laughs> Um, <laughs> Which, it's like this giant red flag. It, it I have is. a spreadsheet. Oh, okay. Oh, dear. It's fraught <laughs> with danger. Like, that's great if, you, if you're that There's a place for a there is, No, there is. It's I, not hey, that simple. I don't mind a spreadsheet in the right, you know, for the right <laughs> thing. But um, when it comes to property, seriously, and, you know, we've had some clients, you know, wanting to buy a property and they're quivering over an extra $5 a week. Well, that's when you should wait. That yeah. actually is when you should wait because if you can't afford another $5 a week, then throw your spreadsheet away and let's revisit it in due course. Because you're not buying stocks. You're buying a, a, a product yep. that could have a problem. The hot water system mm. might go. The shower springs a leak. Mm-hmm. There's something needs fixing. You know, it's not, it's not something that you just buy and it's not going to require any money spent on it. Because property is going to need money spent on Absolutely. it. It and, needs maintaining. And it's, it is a long-term investment. Like it's getting harder and harder to flip. We hear it all the time, people trying to flip and particularly at the moment. With the cost of building. With the cost of building, the time that they purchase, the buy-in, all of those things. They've got amazing, beautiful, stunning, you know, finished product, but the money's just not there, the return. Like the profit has really shrunk. So, um, yeah, when's the right time to buy? It's honestly when you're ready and when you can afford to cater for the fluctuations that are going to happen and you're going to spend money, you're going to need a budget for repairs and maintenance and, you know, yes, insurance is great. You should 100% that have that, even if you're an investor, you know, 
Um, they're definitely safety nets. But yeah, when the, is the right time, whenever you're ready. So if I was a buyer in the market right now, I probably, um, you know, some people have said to us when they're thinking about engaging us, should we wait till the new year? Well, why? If you're ready to go, you've got your pre-approval, um, that's Start the other thing, a pre-approval runs out. It's typically well, it does 90 run days. Out. And it's good to note that while some lenders, and this is obviously a, a, a thing, a, a personal thing to check, but some lenders will honour the interest rate rise that we had. They'll honour your pre-approval regardless of the one we had on Tuesday, but some might not. So it's a good idea to check. And some will let you extend the 90-day period, the initial 90-day period. Some won't. So, um, yeah, it's really important to check that out and that's another reason perhaps why waiting's not a great strategy um, if you're no. ready to go. So we would sort of be advising get started. It doesn't mean you're rushing in and buying a property that you don't want to buy, but just get the process started, um, start looking around and, yeah, next year it's always, it's always a bit of a mystery of how, how it'll come back next year. Um, but I think we're going to see potentially some price increases next year in property. Yep. Well, it's really pointing do. in that direction. Yep. We're already starting to see it now. Some recovery from the small decrease that there was up post-COVID. It's probably a good thing to note, and I know it's great to talk about the clients that we've worked with and all that kind of stuff, but even though we're seeing strong prices and um, we've seen some increases in the market over the past few months, we're still buying under budget for our clients. And some of us, some of our clients say, how? How do you do that? So I think that's a good one to talk about because even if the budget is, okay, take our first home buyer. Yeah, 60 years of age. She first home buyer was, was amazing. Home buyer. Great story. Really emotional purchase. Mm-hmm. And they'd been in the market for eight months on their own and just had a really horrendous experience, a combination of things, not really knowing what they were doing, um, you know, not able to navigate the market, market changes in that time. Struggling with price guides. Yeah, no idea about price guides. The market, of course, has shifted. So what they could purchase, you know, a year ago or two years ago certainly isn't possible now. So this plethora of challenges that they were facing and, um Funnily enough. And they had a dream suburb that they, they wanted and they originally wanted a house mm-hmm. and we kind of told them that they may be better looking at a different product because honestly they were just not going to buy a house. No. So it was actually resetting their expectations and um, without offending them, of course. No. And sometimes, you know, we could say things to we're blue in the face, but a lot of what we do is take our clients on a journey. And their quality of life in their home they would have bought was not what they were going to be happy with. Well, look, she was at a point where she was considering something that really was a bad purchasing decision, but they were so over it um, that they got to that, you know, position. But in the end, we ended up finding them an absolute gem and in their dream suburb Mm -hmm. that they'd always wanted to be in. um, It wasn't a freestanding house but it was a Torrens title duplex. That looked like a house. That looked like a house. It was and full of character. It was big, um, certainly potential to add value. Um, and it was but under it their budget. It was. It was under their budget. We bought it off market again. Um, and, yeah, they're absolutely thrilled. So that's a good point because sometimes people with, you know, first home buyer type budgets, and this budget was circa 800 
which the first home buyer now, you know, doesn't pay stamp duty up to that figure, so it caps a lot of them out. But they say, oh, I can't afford a buyer's agent because it's another. Well, in 90% of cases, we're actually saving our clients more than our fee. And they kind of look at us like, well, when we say that, because it's, it's very rarely an add-on cost. And sometimes it's significant savings, hundreds of thousands. And it's not compromising their requirements. It's got nothing to do with that. about looking in the right place. Looking in the right place. It's about understanding affordability. It's about understanding the opportunity. Not um, overpaying. There's, yeah, there's so much to it. You know, I think we actually did the exercise of looking through our database over the last three years and looking all at all of our purchases and looking what the asking price mm. was, what the budget was and what the actual purchase price was in the end. And it was actually 99% of our purchases were both under budget and also under asking price. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the 1% that weren't were in the rare instance where the client was perhaps their expectation was above what they could afford and they found a property specifically um, that they really, really liked. And, you know, we've had them come to us and say, oh, my gosh, no matter what, we just we, you need to get us this property. We'll beg, borrow, steal, go to the bank of mum and dad, and whatever it, it takes. it was over their budget, it was still a great opportunity, 100%. but it was slightly over their budget, but they yep. were happy to stretch, right? Absolutely. And it was still below Vendor's expectation. Yep. And again, a disclaimer, it wasn't about going in hard and you know, tearing strips off the vendor or the selling it was nothing to do. It was very respectful. It was about understanding the true value of the property and seeing where the opportunity was. It was the vendor's motivation. It was the purchaser understanding what their actual capacity really was without stretching and getting themselves into trouble. So it was bringing all of these things together to make something happen. And, and when we say over budget, it was slightly, you know, ever so slightly I'm that's talking right. you know a few grand um so you know that's kind of one percent of our transactions most of them 99 percent of them are well within people's means and we pride ourselves on that some some people you know when they're still in that period of time of perhaps interviewing buyers agents or you know wondering if they're going to proceed with us I think they still grapple with the idea that we could actually save them money and when it happens Gosh, it's a good feeling, isn't it? Because it is, yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm hearing you, and I'm and I'm seeing the reviews, and I'm talking to clients. You know, sometimes we give you know some numbers out of our clients that they can have a chat to if they're really concerned. But that you can see that they're still like, I don't know how you're going to do this, and then it's awesome when we do because to save save our clients money is that's our, that's our measure of success completely, isn't it? Like that's how we measure how well we've done. If, and we've been known to hold out on a deal. Oh, 100%. You know, and you a know, thousand bucks because every cent counts, right? It does for our clients. And we don't actually, I don't know, our mindset's very different. We don't actually, like whilst it's a conversation up front, how much is this going to cost me? And rightly so for any client. Same with the vendor when they sell. How much is it going to cost? How mm, long is mm. it going to take? Again, another two same questions we get asked all the time. And... So it's an upfront conversation, it needs to be, but it's not the be all and end all. It's not what we think about or go into the whole process with. We don't even think about that until like after the fact, after mm. that's happened. We don't go into a negotiation and go, right, how much are we going to save? Like it's it's because it's not transactional. It's, it's actually more about, about the circumstance. Is the person 
realistic. Yeah. And we will definitely say there's no point if a buyer comes along to us and says, I want this and I want to pay this. If it's not going to happen, we're going to say, or we'll offer an alternative. Look, you probably can buy that, but you won't be there. You'll be there. Mm -hmm. You might be a few you know, more minutes from the beach or whatever. Because a lot of people that come from Sydney, the, the yardstick is how far away am yeah. I from the beach? So you might, you'll buy a better, the compromise is always you'll buy a slightly better house if you're a bit further away um, in a, you know, what we call a fringe suburb without getting bogged down. Um, but you've really got to understand the ge- geographical area and, and the pricing. But yeah, no, it's an interesting one, that's for sure. But we're not fairy godmothers. No, <laughs> like we're we're really good at what we do. But, but it's important that we're honest yeah. um, because we don't want to fail and we don't want them to fail. So we have been known to say, look, I think it's going to be really tricky. Yep. And people are, uh, are very appreciative of that. You know, I'm really appreciative of your honesty because the last thing we want to do is waste our time. Yeah, or send, you know, our clients up a garden path that they're never going to find a garden, you yeah. know. Yeah, um, just set no them up point to fail. It, 100%. And, you know, some clients are prepared to hear it or they've been in the market and they, they get it. And other clients, we actually have to take them on that journey. You know, so many of our clients, we've started out and we introduce them to areas or um, types of property that they can afford. And it goes one way or the other. Some say, oh, gee, well, wow, this is kind of more than we thought we'd get for our money. We can probably afford to, like, step it back a little bit and reduce our budget and go down a different track. And then we have other clients that are like, oh, wow, we actually thought we'd get way more for our money than this. Oh, we, you know, we can't, you know, accept this or we're not going to, we're not willing to compromise on these things. We need to revise and up our budget. So it does go on both ways and it actually happens more often than not. Um, but it's all part of the journey. And I guess where we add value is actually showing people and introducing them yep. to what it is they can really afford and maximising that budget. Yeah. You know, helping them realise, oh my gosh, wow, can I really get that for my money? This is way better than I ever anticipated. It's great um, when that happens. It is. It is. Yeah, it's really So, great. you know, really helping set expectations, really understanding the market independ- uh, intimately. Um, we've both grown up here. We went to school here. Um, we've worked in real estate here. So we've been here a long, long time. We've been in business here, not just this. We've had other businesses in the past in other industries. Yeah, which all adds to that experience Absolutely. story, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. So local market knowledge is super important. Yep. And um, and the, understanding the pockets of the suburbs because there are there's, – there's every suburb has – most suburbs have an area that you might steer away from. You know, obviously the, the properties that are in the flood zones have really struggled after the last weather event. Well, if you, if you look at um, certain resources, it shows the whole of the Central Coast yeah. underwater. Because there's, And that's an interesting one because people trying to do their due diligence, there might be something that's in a flood zone, but it's, it's in a one in 100 for developmental control. So it might show in a flood zone, but it doesn't actually flood. So you kind of need a local to help. And some clients that we just bought for recently came to us to engage us for our negotiation service only because they'd found a house that they wanted to buy. And what they quickly realised after speaking to us was that, oh my God, I'm buying the wrong property. I actually need help to figure this all out. I don't actually know where I want to live. I don't actually know what I can get for my money. Um, I need more than a negotiator. I actually need someone to help me on this entire journey. And the property they found happened to be in a flood zone and they had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. So... Yeah, it helps to have an expert on your side because you don't always know what these things mean. 
So there's a difference. If you were to buy a property that's in a one in 100 and you want to knock it down and rebuild, you are going to be subject to developmental control. It doesn't mean you're going to flood, but there are new levels of control. So it's about understanding all of that as well, which... And other implications on insurance and all of those sorts of things because not, you know, not all zones have that implication. Um, So, yeah, so, yeah, navigating all of that in our marketplace... So what's the most sought after, do you think, we're seeing at the moment? What are, what are most buyers in the market looking for? Some might say, what's the top end doing? What's the apartments doing? What's the housing doing? Where's the activity? There's so many families, so yeah, many families. There is, um, and coming from, yes, they're, they're coming from Sydney, but all corners of Sydney, really. Yeah. And it's not just affordability. A lot of it's actually lifestyle mm. um, and the fact that they're not working in the city or working from an office anymore. So they're looking for that more family environment, slower pace, beach kind of, because, you know, many parts of Sydney, you've got to drive hours, then you park a mile away and you've got to park, pay $100 for the privilege. So, you know, they're looking for, um, yeah, better better quality of life for their family. So, yeah. Um, Price and- point mostly for that's. Most are sitting one, two to two, five. Yeah. It's really the activities in that. There's a lot more activity between one and two mm-hmm. and then there's a bit, you know, between two and three and then after three mm-hmm. it's a little bit tighter at the moment. Yeah. But And it's all about indoor, outdoor flow and connectivity. <gasps> if you could have yeah. 20 houses mm-hmm. with kitchen and living that opened out to the yard and had a pool, <laughs> selling agents will say that. We used to say this yeah. 15 years ago. In Terrigal, if we could just have 10 of those that has the, the kitchen that looks over the yard and looks over the pool and if I was to design a house, it's how you do it because everyone wants it. And then it's how far do I have to compromise back to get as close there, to that as yeah. I can or can I buy something and create that? Yeah. It's interesting. It's what yeah. most people want. So if you're out there and you build a house, do that. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you'll make your money. Honestly, it's, it's how you make your money. It's what everybody wants and make sure your backyard faces north. And the other thing is <laughs> we either want a pool or room to put one. Yep. It's another, you know, top thing on the list of um, requirements. We see a lot of that. Um, room sizes, again. Yeah, they're getting smaller and people want bigger rooms. They do. They do. So, and definitely a workspace. Yes, that's another that's... trend. There has to be, and, and not fussy, like it can be a little... You know, it could be a nook, a station, a nook. Um, it could be a separate studio, approved or non-approved. Um, people Studios aren't are popular at the moment, they aren't are they, very, for that? It's yep. almost like you can set your office up at home. Yep, yep. So, yeah, so definitely they're the trends we're seeing currently. I have a bit of a laugh about this because when I was working in development, we had um, a building that we were doing at Point Frederick and the floor plans had all incorporated a study nook because that had been, you know, what people were looking for. And then we started getting the feedback, oh, you don't need a study. Everyone's on their laptop on the lounge. You don't need a study. Make the living area bigger. Get rid of the studies. We redesigned all the apartments to take the studies out. <laughs> and now post-COVID, everyone wants a study. Yep. So I would dare say in that world, the studies are back in. Yep. So the market's always changing. I think that work from home space will stick around. Yep. So if you're building a home at the moment and you want a good resale, Backyard, living, outdoor living, workspace. Renovating homes, re-floor planning, all of these things are considerations. 
And it's interesting because they're the ones getting the big money. They are. Yep. They are. That's the product that we talk about in no matter what market you're in, that will always sell well. Yeah, it's really resilient. It's sort of, it ticks everybody's boxes. It's yep. the most um, accommodating for small, large families. Yeah. Um, so it's super important. Granny flats are another big thing, a big theme at the moment. Um, either a granny flat or room to put one. Do you think that's because of um, mum and dad yep. blending in with sometimes the family, pooling money because it's 100%. getting so hard to buy? Yeah, definitely. Well, we see it in our clients. Mm. We've got a number of our clients that are, you know, investing together and creating that co-living. Um, parents are helping more and more with, you know, it takes a village. <laughs> we mm. certainly know that. Um, I know my own personal situation um, my my parents live with us and they've got a separate villa that was we purpose built mm. for them. And it's, Again, life experience that you can actually talk about mm-hmm. to help people because you've actually been through the process mm-hmm. of putting a granny on your block, dealing with all the parameters and the sewage and the, the sewer lines and all of the challenges that you had. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's becoming more and more popular, particularly as prices increase as well. Um, it's, you know, a more convenient and affordable way for people to get into property and manage their family dynamics. So, yeah. Before we probably wrap up, do you think, I think it's worth mentioning investors and, you know, we have seen investors come back into the market of late. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not only focused on the central coast because it's getting very, prices are getting the more expensive. Getting which in then the rents haven't caught up, whilst yep. the rental market has notoriously always been strong here on the coast. The yields are not fabulous because the buy-in is is a bit higher mm-hmm. and the rates, interest rates are... I think that's where jewels come back into playing an important part and why they're popular as well because they deliver higher yields. They do. Um, so so yeah. we're kind of looking outside of the Central yeah. Coast now, aren't we? We're not, we stay within our region, but there's some good opportunities up in the Hunter. Yeah, absolutely at the moment. Um, but we're always looking, it, it's such a dynamic moving target. It's always, and it really, again, depends on the overall strategy and then, you know, um, making sure the investment portfolio is diverse. Um, so, yeah, there's so many things to consider, but at the moment it is getting harder and harder, particularly if yield is the main mm. strategy in purchasing an investment It's a very property. different strategy, isn't it? If you're capital growth focused, you're yield focused, you do... And this is where our briefing sessions or our discovery sessions with our clients, if they're an owner-occupier, it's a very different conversation yep. than an um, investor. Yep. It's much more strategic. And obviously, we have our property management arm of our business as well. So we really take care of that 360-degree service for them, which is also part of that initial conversation. So we we love working with our investors as well. We, I know our conversation focuses a lot on owner occupiers the stories and the emotions are higher there but you know we've we're got plenty of success stories around investors and what they've already realized what they've achieved in such a short period of time you know over 12 the last 12 18 months again about buying resilient market resilient mm. properties and getting the strategy right um, and purchasing in an area that's going to deliver um, and, a, and a property type that's going to deliver so and a lot of them are mum and dad investors yeah. too which is great you know, they're, they're people that might be building on their portfolio. They might already have one or two properties or maybe it's their first one. So that's exciting as well. Yeah. I mean, we've added to our team, you know, Daniela has joined our team and she's focused on investors 
because I think we're going to see a few more of those back in the market yeah, next year as well. Yeah. So that's the market, a wrap. That's a wrap <laughs> for the market, what we're going to see. Who knows what next year will bring, but one thing we do know is it's always changing. Um, but all, oftentimes the media is reporting what's happening on a macro level, not what's happening in our region. So I think it's really important to talk to a local um, so that you're getting, you know, the actual story. Um, and we're often, th- the, the statistics that are out there are often lagging as well. They are. So you could get data that's sort of three months behind what we're actually seeing on the ground. A lot of it's because it's based around settlements. A lot of that information is yeah. only available once a property settles. So naturally there is a lag and, you know, auction results are debatable um, they can be interpreted yeah. in so many different they ways they they're do. not a hundred percent exact um you know they get as many metrics as they can behind it but at the end of the day it's actually not exact yeah well you know we listen to a lot of people in the industry you know the saturday raps i love tom panos and his saturday raps and he talks a lot about auctions and auction levels he's really interesting there's so many people um that we listen to to get all of the different um, perspectives. perspectives on the Sydney market mm-hmm. and um, but at the end of the day our expertise is here and we made a choice that we don't buy outside of our expertise our area that we know intimately because we just until we learn another market you, you just you don't have that depth of knowledge no you don't to help our clients but it's good you know we've got access to other resources through um, the organisations that we're part of. That's right, yep. Um, so I'm actually the New South Wales State Rep for REBA, the Real Estate Buyers Agents Recently Association. Crowned. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but importantly, that gives um, us access to understanding intimately yep. what is happening in other markets around the country. Um, really important discussions around legislation, trends. Um, and interestingly, it's actually not that dissimilar at the moment, everywhere around the country, mm. stock shortages, all of those. We things, also go so. to the conferences. We we make sure that we're we like learning, so we're always at the conferences. We're always at we're at the PIPA conference and the REBA. It's it's important that whilst we operate in our little market, that we're across. So there's a lot of learning goes on all the time um, to make sure that we're across what's happening on a larger scale. Yep. Cool. Awesome. See you next time. <laughs>